Welcome to Seizure Salad, Fuster Cluck Epilepticus, a salty, slightly cynical account of epilepsy and neurological disorders, the synaptic jolts that short-circuit one's world, and a search for answers in efforts to rewire the mind and create a new life. Oh, and a whole lot of tangents. And now, Seizure Salad, with your host and electrostatic meat sack, Micah indoors. Stop, breathe, and figure out how to best move forward. Yeah. And, no, and I love it. Yeah. I love, yeah, I love how you explained it. And that's how I interpreted it in my mind there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we're on the same page there. Right, right. And speaking of, of moving forward, especially through times like this, where it's like, oh my God, um, right now for everybody, you know, it's it's not being able to, to spend time with loved ones. A lot of of traditions that have been passed down through generations now have to be modified, changed. Um, these are things you've been, you've talked about, you've, you've helped people through in the past. Um, now we're looking at something that, that people who've never had to deal with this before deal with. So this is, I think this is some, how, how do you suggest we, as just general people and society as, as a whole, what are some tips to get through this mentally and emotionally? Uh, again, just, just my own thoughts here, but I think as a, as a society, one thing that it would be good for us to do is I guess kind of get over ourselves because I think more than, you know, I, I imagine you can, I can think of at least more than one person in my past that, I would like to reconnect with, uh, and, and for some reason or not, I haven't. And, you know, I'm not saying everyone should do what I do because I, I mess up just as much, but, uh, I always ask myself, what's stopping me from reaching out to them? You know, and it's usually the, eh, it's been too long. I, you know, I don't know what they're up to. We're in different parts of our life now. I don't even know if they want to hear from me. Well, guess what? More than likely, they probably want to hear from you unless it was just some awful ending to the relationship. Uh, and, and I always try and remind people that if you're feeling a certain way, there's a good chance other people are too. So if you're feeling, and especially right now, if you're feeling disconnected, there's probably other people in your life who are feeling that way. And the only way it changes is if someone has the courage to just say, I'm just going to reach out. I don't know what's going to happen. They might ignore my text or call or whatever, but I'm going to be the one to do it. And I think so many of us sit back wishing for things to be different in our relationships. And then that's the extent of what we do. We don't put a plan in place to say, Hey, I am going to re-engage with this person. And that plan includes not only reaching out to them, but what am I going to do if, yeah, it doesn't go well. If this person doesn't want to talk to me, um, that that's not anything on me, really. That that's on them at this point, choosing to not engage. I mean, there's probably a history there, but at some point, we need to to get over our past and just say this is important to me. I'm going to try, which means reaching out to people. And and I've seen it both ways this year, where uh, some people are feeling more comfortable doing that. Hey, it's it's a weird year. I think this is time for me to reach out to people I haven't talked to in a while. But the flip side is true too, especially with older uh, adults who can't see their grandkids or uh, kids this season. It's tough. And I think, you know, we've all heard the the platitudes of, we'll figure out a, a way to still do the traditions that you can. And I think that's great. It just might 
not ever be exactly the way we want it. And I think that's because we're comparing this Christmas to every other Christmas we've ever had. And, and that's just not the case. And so something my family's doing is talking about it from the long view in terms of we're not going to see each other this year. So we can see each other next year. We're talking about everything we're going to do next Christmas and the next holiday season. And so being able to keep it all in perspective that, uh, yes, this, this year is going to be different. We're going to try and find a way to meet some of the traditions. We might do some new ones, but we're also very cognizant of that. It's probably not going to meet any of our expectations because we're laying on top of it every Christmas we've ever had before then. But to get back to those Christmases next year, means we have to do some things different this year. And so when I, I speak to people right now, that, that's usually kind of the themes of our conversations of find ways to reach out, even if it feels uncomfortable, find new traditions, but understand that it's probably not going to live up to the expectations of prior years. And, you know, smaller wins this year need to be savored more. Uh, and, and there's a whole thing like in positive psychology of how you how you properly savor moments of so you don't just let them pass. And I think this is one of those years where we can really learn to stop and think about those small things that we can just savor a little bit more and and kind of suck every piece of positivity out of them, I guess. I I have definitely learned that. I've I've definitely been learning that. It's it's this entire year, year and a half for me, um, big ego check, big, uh, a big, huge slice of humble pie, you know, mm. um, which I've actually found a lot more um, appetizing than I originally thought it would be. Ah, it was a little bitter at first, but uh, it turned it's kind of like rhubarb, you know. And first, <laughs> I, so, <laughs> after so how how did it, how did it change for you? It started with one thought process and now it's viewed as different to you. So how did that change occur? Um, because I was living so outwardly for so long, I think part of it was, was the showman in me. Um, you know, being that performing artist, the MC, the radio broadcaster kind of thing. Uh, but it, it also, when, the, when it all hit, um, made me really, really reflect on myself and and what kind of self-worth I brought to me to the table. And I realized that a lot of, a lot of the things I had done and a lot of actions I had taken were, were out of a, uh, a desire for attention. Um, mm. kind of a, uh, you know, that typical middle child thing is like, Hey man, what about me? Look at me. Ah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I had put too much, I found out, I found out that I had um, grown to put too much of my uh, perceived self self worth into what other people saw of me. Mm. That how do I look on stage? How are things look? You know, um, and that's that's just a real typical common um, pitfall, uh, Achilles' heel of a lot of performers, and uh it really made me start to start to think about why i was doing what i was doing uh and you make a really good good point and it's something that has been ringing so true to me and it's been in my mind lately um i also realized how shallow 
I felt like I was living. I felt like I wasn't really living for, like you had said, the, the purpose. What was the purpose? I was living to, to further a voice career. Why? Why? To prove, mm. to prove my worth to certain family members and an ex or something, you know? Um, what kind of value does that put forth in the planet? That's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty fucking selfish. And well, um, but you're also not alone. I, I hope you don't think that you're some anomaly out there. Oh um, no, I think I think yeah. that's the norm. I yeah, think that's yes, the norm. Yeah. Uh, but what I what what I found, and I think uh, it was just that that organic um, fruition come from uh, that feeling of starting the podcast and getting the feedback from um, other people with epilepsy and and other people with with uh, mental issues and stuff and I, I the feedback i was getting and and the realization that i was actually truly helping other people uh it started to sink in and it started to make me realize it's like i i would i would i would subconsciously put off my voiceover homework uh, i would subconsciously put off chores but any chance to get on the mic and do a recording with with fellow epileptics or you know my other people with you who's a fellow epileptic i guess that yeah. was kind of redundant <laughs> um, <laughs> but any chance i got to get on the mic and produce another episode of caesar salad it, it was like it fed me and to be able to get some good feedback from it and and to be able to see that people were listening and sharing it um that feeds me like nothing else has in a long time. And it's making me really, really shift my thinking into who really gives a crap if I become the next voice for CNN or something. I, does it really matter? Is it going to feed my soul overnight? Yeah, it'd probably pay a lot better. But um, what's what? it's like I said a few years ago to, to my son, in, in the end, you got to really consider you got to really think to yourself when it's all said and done, what matters in the end is, is am I going to be remembered for what I gave to this world or what I took from it? Okay. And I want to be remembered for what I gave to this world. So, um, yeah, th this, yeah. this podcast, seizure salad is a platform to people for people to share stories, to provide support. Um, and, and to, to help, other people understand and yeah. it's my way to give well and you're exercising one of your signature strengths i mean not everyone living with epilepsy can launch a podcast and, and get it off the ground the way that you can because you have this unique knowledge in this space and so using that signature strength to drive a purpose that's important to you is clutch with our happiness and, and our overall kind of mindset and I, I talk to people often you know, when, when we're talking about what, what do you want next out of life? We'll start talking about how they got to where they are and what's driving them at the moment. And so many people are on autopilot that their first answer sounds pretty good. You know, Hey, what, what, what makes you stay in this job? Well, the pay is pretty good. And, you know, I'm able to take care of my family and all that. Okay. Let's, let's dive down, you know, that next level. What does that pay do for your family that, is driven, you know, with your goals and, and some, you know, Hey, I'm able to save for their college. Great. But a lot of times it's, 
oh, we get to go on vacations and all this. Okay, that, that's a couple weeks a year. What about the rest of the year? Is it in line with what your goals are for your family? Well, I do work a lot, all this stuff. And so we start diving into, yeah, just because you're making a lot of money and, and it does help parts of your family in terms of saving and all that, and that is important. Is that the primary driver for you or should that be the primary driver for you? And, and I mean, my job isn't to tell them what's right or what's wrong in their world. I just told them a mirror and asked some uh, powerful questions. And, and oftentimes they're like, yeah, you know, I'd, I actually don't need all that money because my goal is to to enjoy my family more, but I don't need all this money to do that. And I'm just using this one example. There are a number of them out there, but uh, I think it takes just a little bit of digging to that next level. And that next level is where it gets a little uncomfortable. People like the surface level answers because they can just move along in their day and not have to put a ton of mental energy behind it. But it sounds like you've been because of epilepsy forced to take some inventory uh, of your life and what's motivated you to this point and realizing that what's gotten you here isn't going to help you, uh, isn't going to be the thing you need going forward. And, and I mean, that's, you said you don't want to be your own therapist, but it seems like you're doing pretty well. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I guess, I, I guess I got a double-edged sword about that. You know, it's, it's, you, you got, I got a father with a, I got a father with a sociology and psychology degree, mm. um, being an act, being an actor and a performer. And, and I was always one of those wise ass kids that could snowball my way through half of a counseling session anyway, kind of. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I was one of those little assholes. And, um, yeah. you know what, but the, but what I've learned is like, like those kind of things, it's like. You know, until until you really are willing to help yourself, it, it's just a bunch of bullshit anyway. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. For people who say therapy is bullshit, it's only because you aren't willing to do the work. You're not willing to take the steps. Yeah. Um, you might need it, but until you know you need it, it's not going to work. Until yeah. you, yeah, yeah. They, it's sorry. I mean, you man. can. You can read all the self-help books you want, but if you don't implement any of the tools into your life, then you know it does, doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's about the results. Yeah, buying a quitting smoking book isn't going to mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boom! It's on my shelf. Woo! I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm done. Fixed. I'm fixed. Yeah, yep. it doesn't work that way, man. It doesn't work that way. And well, you're that's right. another thing. Uh, people keep asking, you know, uh, during the Corona, during the pandemic, what should we be doing and all this? And it's like, you know, to tell you the truth, it's all the same stuff we've been talking about for years and years. We just need to crank it up a notch. It's not like there are these new techniques and tips out there and everything that's come about because of the pandemic it's, it's the tried and true stuff, engaging with other people, knowing what you're going to do in the moment. If your stress, you know, skyrockets or your anxiety or whatever. And then it's, what do you do on a recurring basis to keep it at a reduced level? You know, that stress, anxiety or whatever. So uh, there's no secret sauce uh, that is now available because the pandemic is just reinforcing what we've always known. Right. Right. And if you've been working on the tools, then it's, it'll be there for you. This is to my sick kids. Time to flip this shit. Depakote, Adderall, Ritalin, Pixie Sticks. I don't give a fuck what you're riding to the sentence on. Use it as a weapon when it's...